Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Welcome back to the Recover Your Soul podcast. If you're new to us, welcome to the Recover Your Soul community. And if you're coming back, thank you very much for choosing to spend your time with me. For this episode, I wanted to visit the world of self-worth, self-esteem, self-value, how we feel about ourselves on the inside. And as many of us are out here in the world, I know for me, for a long time, there was a big need for how I felt about myself that came from what was coming from the outside and not how I felt about myself deeply on the inside. And what I've learned and what I offer in soul recovery is steps and ways to feel self-love, deep self-love for ourselves, a deep awareness of our connection with source, with higher power, with spirit, with our universal mind to get that connection that we need so that we can be full and whole. So that's what we're going to talk about today. When we're little kids, and most of us had wonderful experiences when we were growing up, and most of us, all of us, had some sort of experiences when we were growing up that helped to form how we felt about ourselves. And some of us had great parents that gave us a lot of love and unconditional love and props and told us how wonderful we were. And some parents didn't have that to give. And yet each one of us as a child, we come out into the world with this 
innate knowing of who we are when we're little, little babies. Most of us, if we're doing any inner child work, ACA work, anything of those natures, we remember there's a part of our lives that we can access and get back to that is this small self that remembers or can feel the joy of just being alive before all of the hardship started to come, all the messaging that started to come. And so as we've gotten older, we embrace that messaging, whether it was from our parents or from our siblings or from our schoolmates, or as we get older and older, social media and TV and movies. And I know when I was growing up, this just came to me. I loved the movie Saturday Night Fever. I loved the music of Saturday Night Fever. And I remember being in elementary school and having these kids that I had to hang out with after school because my mom was working that what I loved that we did was we would dance to Saturday Night Fever and we put the album on over and over and over. And that was my favorite thing to do. But there was all this weird competition about whether you were doing things right. And I always felt less than. I always felt like I wasn't fitting in. I wasn't doing it right. But then I also think about the movie Saturday Night Fever. And if anyone's watched the movie Saturday Night Fever, the nostalgia that we have over these albums and these songs is very different than the portrayal that was in the movie that had violence against women and real like sexism and intensity that today I don't think would be acceptable in the movie. So it's fascinating just to think in the my 52 years of how we relate to each other. And yet there's still this early childhood stuff that we get that starts to formulate how we feel about ourselves. So here we are, we're on this soul recovery journey. And we have this ability to step back as adults, to look at our lives in new ways, to decide that we have a willingness to open up the way that we think and feel and see, to have a willingness to change our perception, and to begin to move out of a place where we feel like the world did something to us, and so we have some justification for feeling victimized or abandoned or all of the things that we feel about how we feel about ourselves. And we're moving towards a place where we are empowering ourselves and taking control and claiming who we are in a new way. Now, self-worth, self-value, self-esteem is a big piece of this. And for many, many, many of us, it is a slow and steady, slow and steady journey to allow ourselves to even begin to be willing to see ourselves in a new and different way. I was just talking to some friends over lunch that I, that I was going to do this episode, and we were talking about how easy it is to cut ourselves down, how hard it is to hear compliments that people may give us, that it's this slow process of allowing ourselves to even hear and take in 
positive feedback from people, so often we immediately go into the judge, the non-deserving, the we're broken, that we can't even hear good things about ourselves. And also, as I did with my episode that was on the internal judge, that we have this voice inside of us that is the the marker of all of those things that we heard when we were younger that was the help keep us small, help keep us safe, keep us in the rules. Are you being a good girl or boy? Are you being a bad girl or boy? How are you being held into this very rigid definition of what's acceptable and okay versus this expansiveness of just being yourself, of loving yourself exactly for who you are, even if you don't fit into a particular mold. So these are all big, big aspects of who we are. First and foremost, I want to say in soul recovery, my foundational belief is that we are not broken. That we are coming here to rediscover, to awaken to who we truly are. This is not about healing something that is broken and that we need quote unquote fixing. My belief is that we have learned belief systems, we have adopted ways of feeling about ourselves, we have adopted tools that do not serve us any longer, we have found ways to protect ourselves that come from pain, that come from dysfunction, that come from long-time patterns of family, generational family issues that often have to do with addiction, that have to do with dysfunction, that have to do with everything that it's taken over all these generations to be able to survive And a lot of those survival skills weren't positive ones. And that we're now in a place in our lives where we are awakening to and being ready to shed all of that stuff that is actually not true. Just because I was an alcoholic does not mean that I define myself as an alcoholic today. Just because I was codependent does not mean that I define myself as being codependent today. Those were behaviors that I expressed heavily, but I am not broken. I am not diseased. I am not something that is not whole. I am not insane anymore. I have found sanity, which means that I have allowed myself to be willing to open up to a different way of thinking and feeling and believing that includes seeing myself as a full, true, whole self. And that those aspects of myself that I used that protected me from what was so difficult and painful in those years That was just part of my experience and that I don't have to hold on to them anymore. I don't have to claim those as who I am. I think in our society now, there's a lot of uh, leaning towards having some identification that people get given diagnoses. And then those diagnoses, we go into our minds and we claim that we have anxiety disorder or that we have borderline personality disorder, or that we have depression, or that we have eating disorder or alcohol disorder. 
And we are acting those things out. That is absolutely true. And so it's not about denying that those exist because it absolutely exists. But those are ways that we see ourselves. And if we are starting to identify ourselves so intently on these diagnoses, sometimes there's not even a crack that's opened up to allow the place where spirit comes in, where higher power comes in and begins to provide you with the healing that will allow those diagnoses, those ways of being that are holding us back to start to lift, to start to change, to start to release us. So self-worth, self-value, self-esteem, I think that part of soul recovery is turning the attention to ourselves. So we've got this whole world out there that's nuts. In your family, your husband, your kids, your wife, your brothers, your sisters, your co-workers, we have this small right around us bubble that can be really chaotic. And then it stretches out to our town, stretches out to our state, stretches out to our country, stretches out to the world. And all of that feels really overwhelming. And in that, not only is it overwhelming, but we are asking it to give us feedback that allows us to be okay with who we are. You know, if you've listened to my podcast before, that I also come from a belief that we were uniquely created by higher power, by spirit, with unique gifts, and that each and every one of us has these unique gifts to share with the world. And then we deny that we have the gifts, and we can't see them because we're getting all of this positive and negative reinforcement. And I'm going to use singing as what's coming to me. When I was growing up, I loved to sing with my dad. And the truth was, I loved to sing and I made up songs. But when I was in music, in choir and everything in junior high school, high school, I wasn't very good. I didn't do all that great. I tried out for, I think, like the show choir or something like that. Never made it. Never was like a soloist. Never had any of the outside world giving me recognition for being a quote unquote good singer. And I had lots of other people around me who could hold a melody line way better than I could. But I like to sing. So I just kept singing. But in my mind, I had this part of me that could feel that feedback that said, that I wasn't as good as other people. And so it kept that part of me small. But my favorite thing to do was to sing with my dad. And my dad would have a show. He's a singer, songwriter, musician. And he'd be at a bar playing music. And as a little girl, my fate, like I just couldn't wait. My favorite thing was waiting for him to call his little girl, Rachel Ann, and have her sing a couple songs with me. And I loved to sing with him, but it was hard to sing with him. And I didn't understand why. And I later learned that it's because the key that he sings in makes it so that I can't be in my full voice, that I either have to be jumping up to a higher octave or down to a lower octave that actually makes it so I'm bouncing back and forth. And I, I never understood what that was because I didn't, I still don't understand music, but At that point, I just knew that even though I loved singing with him, I never felt strong in what I was doing, that I felt like 
I was really lacking. And so it gave me that part of us, right? That part of us that can't quite hold on to it all the way. And then when I was 16, I had been living in Europe with my mom and my stepdad. Um, They did a sabbatical, scientific sabbatical for a year, and I got to spend my senior year of high school in Europe, which was amazing. And I came back, and that summer, I spent some time with my dad in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and he was going to be doing this big outdoor concert, and I was... I was actually, I was probably 17 because it was 1987, which would have made me 17. So I come back and we practice this one song that we like to sing. And, and by now I've been able to say, Hey, you know, I can not really sing it that way in this particular way that you sing it. And so he says, okay, well, let's pop it to a different key. And we practice it in a different key and feeling really confident about it. And there's a boy that I like in the audience and I'm 17. So of course, what everybody thinks about me is super uber duper, really important. And I go up onto stage when it's time to sing the song. And of course, you know, my dad just played it in the key that comes out of him because he was super excited to be at this big outdoor concert playing with people that he loved. And he didn't do it to try to hurt me or you know, it just, it just started in the key that he normally plays it in. And I was mortified that I couldn't sing it in this way that allowed me to really belt it out, to really feel confident in how I was singing. And so that particular instance when I was 17 was one of those markers, you know, it only has a couple of these places in our life sometimes that shift how we think about ourselves, what our self-esteem is, what our value in ourself is. That was a major, like, shut the door, never going to sing again. That was so embarrassing for me. And my poor dad, he didn't mean to inflict that kind of wound on me, but it was, it was a wound that I felt in myself. At that time in my life, I didn't have the capacity to be able to maintain myself and not have it just take me down a long spiral where for years and 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 years, I didn't open my mouth and sing. It wasn't until later, 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 Rich and I are married. We've gone to a unit church um, that I've been going to for 21 years that I'm singing just joy songs in the congregation lightly, quietly. And the choir director said, hey, that sounds like you can carry a tune. Would you like to be in the choir? Well, that was 21 years ago. That little tiny recognition from somebody allowed a spark, a spark of willingness, a spark of opening that I personally had to step through, that I had to be willing to bump up against my discomfort and say, okay, I'm going to step out into this discomfort, into this place that doesn't feel safe because I'm really afraid that I'll fail again. Well, life is failure. Life is about falling down and picking yourself back up. It's not about never having hardship, never having an embarrassing moment, never having a time where you are mortified in front of people. It's about being mortified in front of people and being willing to not see yourself as broken to not see yourself as damaged, and to decide that you're going to open up to new possibilities, that you're going to be willing to try new things. So long story longer, maybe. (laughs) 
I start singing in the choir and my choir director offers me solos and I start feeling more confident. I buy a guitar lesson at one of the silent auctions. I start playing very rudimentary, simple guitar. I start writing very rudimentary, simple songs and slowly, slowly, slowly gaining confidence in my voice and in my singing, singing karaoke and eventually starting a band, eventually becoming the lead singer for that band, eventually being able to sing much more at my church, being a major soloist. I still don't know anything about music. I don't know keys. I don't actually read music. When I write a song, I just write what comes out of me. I know seven chords. And if I write a song on my guitar, it's going to be one of those seven chords. They're all very simple. But you know what I did is I stopped allowing myself to be defined by that particular damaging moment that happened that was no fault of anyone's, that I could decide whether this was going to be the crushing of my self-esteem or not. Or am I going to take responsibility for my own life? And let's say I didn't even have a good voice in the first place, but I like to sing. There's there's so many things you could be doing. You could be singing in choirs at church. They're always looking for people, whether you're a soloist or not. But we we dampen ourselves down and we don't allow ourselves to take on this ability to expand and grow. So this gift of voice that was given to me now I can hear people give me feedback. Those of you who have gone to the website, listen to my original music, email me, download the music, and tell that that touches them in a way. And I think, thank goodness I didn't allow myself to continue to hold on to that negative self-esteem, that negative self-value of myself, and have one experience take me away from something that is actually a gift that was given to me. And I'll never be fantastic, famous, enormous singer. That's not how I'm built. That's not what's going to happen. But what it tells me is we have choices in our life of how we're going to feel about ourselves. And we have choices in our life about how we're going to step out and how we're going to allow ourselves to deal with stressful situations. So last year, there was a concert and I was going to perform one of my original songs. And one of the people that I was going to play with ended up getting sick. So who knows if they had COVID or cold or, you know, who knows what, but they couldn't accompany me at the concert. And so somebody else stepped in and it was a complete train wreck. It was a complete train wreck. And there were hundreds of people out in the audience. So similar to my 16 year old experience, the music started and it didn't sound or feel like the song that I wrote, and I wasn't playing my own guitar, so it was really, I'm at the beck and call of, of the musicians. I was in a strong enough place in myself. I had enough self-worth and enough self-confidence at this point. I just made some stuff up. I made up words. I made up a melody. I just kind of, I blacked out a little bit, not knowing what was going on, but I didn't I didn't crumble. I didn't completely collapse and fall into a place that I probably would have if I hadn't been building this spiritual muscle that allowed me to be able to sing made up stuff in front of hundreds of people and just let it be. 
And by the end of the song, it kind of pulled itself together and the song finished the way that it actually was supposed to finish. And people in the audience had no idea what it was or wasn't. That's kind of the value of of an original song is nobody knows what it actually is supposed to sound like. But when it was over, there was a part of me that was shaken because we have this need for everything to line up exactly like we think it should go. And when it doesn't, it's really uncomfortable really, really, really uncomfortable. And I could have let that been a place where my value of myself, my self-worth really took a hit. And I went down that spiral of how it was terrible. But the truth was, it was fine. And it pulled off and it was fine. And so instead of going down the downward spiral, I allowed it to be a really brilliant learning experience. I learned a lot of things that day. I learned if your musicians pull out, just pull out. Don't do it without practice and know what you're doing. And even if you don't, make stuff up and be confident in what you're doing and that that's okay too. And so I allowed it to be a major teaching moment, recognizing that it's the bookend from the 17-year-old girl who wobbly need couldn't hold her own up there because it wasn't going the way that she wanted to and how far I had come. Now, what we think about ourselves, what we feel about ourselves, that is the foundation of everything. What we think and feel and believe is how our life expands and who we are and how we relate to people and what happens to us. And yet we look to the outside. We look to the outside for someone to tell us that we're smart. We look to the outside for someone to tell us that we're beautiful. We look to outside to have have someone tell us that we're worth being loved. I can tell you, you are worth being loved. You are whole. You are without a broken heart. You are without a broken soul. You can have pain and you can have suffering and you can have darkness, but none of that takes away from the absolute brilliance and the light and the expansion of who you are that is just waiting to come out and be revealed. And when we stop leaning on and needing other people to give us validation and we begin to see that the only validation that is really true is how we feel about ourselves and the connection with our higher power. When someone does give you a compliment, when you do connect with people and they they see you for who you are, just who you are, it feels different. Because it's not coming from an outside need place. It's coming from an inner knowing and gratitude of that recognition versus a desperation of needing that kind of attention. Our self-value and our self-worth and our self-esteem is an inside job. Happiness is an inside job. And that's a hard lesson to learn. And each one of us has these gifts. Each one of us has these ways of being able to connect and be in the world with people and what they are is so vast. And we think that we need to be defined by what society and the world and social media and our parents and our husbands and our wives and our friends, what they value. What I love about 
what's happening in the movement of today is there's so much more openness to people being very unique in who they are. We don't all have to dress the same way. We don't have to speak the same way. We don't have to like the same music. And for some people, it's very shocking. The tattoos on the faces, the wild hair colors, and the pierced faces, and teeth with diamonds. I mean, there's some, there's some wild stuff out there. But the truth is, the people who are being their fullest self, and a lot of people will do some of these things to get attention. I'm not talking about covering up who you are instead of seeing who you are, but being your fullest you unequivocally you and allowing for the times when you fall down flat on your face and something happens where you are out there and you're exposed and you are in a place where you could just let yourself completely crumble because it feels like what society would say is a failure is really an opportunity for you to feel your strength of who you are And that you can have that kind of intense situation and you can get up and you can learn from it and you can continue going forward and you can even more brightly see the strength and the power that you have and the beauty of who you are. That these gifts that were given to you include being able to be recognized by the world, but not needing the recognition to be the fulfiller that we feel about ourselves in a way. We love ourselves. We love ourselves. That we can feel that spirit higher power is right here with us, encouraging us every step of the way, guiding us every step of the way. Self-esteem, self-worth, self-value is an inside job. You get to pick your life. You get to choose your attitude. You get to determine how you're going to be in the world. You have choices every single day of whether you're going to choose a healthy mind, whether you're going to choose soul recovery, whether you're going to choose love, or whether you're going to choose fear, whether you're going to choose depression, whether you're going to choose anxiety, whether you're going to choose lack. I think higher power wants for you to see love, beauty, connection, wholeness, that sanity is wholeness, and insanity is the belief that you are broken. You are whole. So when someone tells you something about you that is a good thing, when you get the feedback from the world about the things that you know are the values of who you are, allow them to come in. And if you're getting feedback from the world that is not empowering you, is not bettering who you are, And as somebody who is trying to cut you down, whether it's your inside voice or voices from the outside, those are not real. And you don't have to let those in and permeate you. The more that you feel positive about yourself and see yourself and love yourself for your unique you, your absolute unique you, all the quirkiness, all the magnificence, all the oddities, all the fantastic things, all the weirdness, all of the shadows and all of the light and brilliance of who you are. All of that is who you are and you can hold all of that with absolute pride of who you are and love yourself deeply. 
I believe higher power, spirit, God. I believe that you are loved deeply. As you know, I'm here to support you on your soul recovery journey. If you have issues with self-worth and you want to work on this part of seeing the gifts of who you are and letting go of all that outside stuff, I'm here to help. Just book a session with me. You are whole. You are deserving. You are worthy. Until next time, namaste. Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my path to soul recovery? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's how. Here's your call to action. If you're ready for real inner change and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with your higher power, whatever that is for you, and to discover and then step forward into a happy and healthy life. You can also become part of our soul recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's by Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website to get your Zoom link. Recover your souls on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, lots of ways to connect. And there's even a private Facebook group that will allow for more communication and conversation about soul recovery. There is also an extra bonus episode every Friday if you are an Apple Podcast subscriber or Patreon member. I'd also love all of the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community, with me, and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time to give me five stars, a quick review, and to share the podcast with your friends and family, we're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you for going to the website and pushing the donate button, whatever donation feels right to you. This means so much to me because I have this enormous mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, your being part of this community is helping that to happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.